A blessed Sunday to all of you, dear friends. You are tuned in to OLMC Sunday Best. This is a sharing of the Bible study group from the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Join us now in reflecting on this Sunday's liturgy for our life's nourishment. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us today uh, with the parishioners of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. We're joined by our host, uh, Sister Victoria. Um, and a warm welcome to all listeners online, wherever you are. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Uh, we have come to the sixth Sunday of Easter. Uh, let us greet God with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's read the collect together. Grant, Almighty God, that we may celebrate with heartfelt devotion these days of joy, which we keep in honor of the risen Lord, and that what we believe in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome, everyone. So, um, Sister Victoria um, told me to let everybody know that we are, in fact, coming to the end of the Easter season. Yes. Um, tomorrow will be the sixth Sunday of Easter. The following Easter, sorry, following um, Sunday will be the peace of the ascension, and finally, God will leave us with the Holy Spirit to guide us, which is Pentecost. But um, if you compare this against the Lenten season, you'll see that the blessings of Easter are much more abundant, mm -hmm. much longer than, than the time that we have to wait and, and, uh, and repent. So enjoy, continue, enjoy the Easter season and uh, spread the good news. So uh, for today's, uh, tomorrow's reading, uh, we start off with, again, uh, the first reading is from the book, Act of the Apostles, chapter 15, 1 to 2, 22 to 29. And we continue with the book of the Revelation in the second reading, chapter 21, 10 to 14, 22 to 23. And finally, uh, as we are in the Easter season, the Gospel of John chapter 14, 23 to 29. Uh, Jenny will help us read the first reading. Um, do pay careful attention to it. Um, it's quite an epic. Yes. Uh, it's, in today's terms, it will be like the Star Wars. It will be like <laughs> the battles of the gods, but in the context of uh, faith, of course. So uh, on to you, Jenny. Thank you. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Some who had come down from Judea were instructing the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the Mosaic practice, you cannot be saved. Because there arose no little dissension and debate by Paul and Barnabas with them, it was decided that Paul, Barnabas, and some of the others 
should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. The apostles and elders, in agreement with the whole church, decided to choose representatives and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. The ones chosen were Judas, who was called Basabas, and Silas, leaders among the brothers. This is the letter delivered by them. The apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia of Gentile origin. Greetings. Since we have heard that some of our members who went out without any mandate from us have upset you with their teachings and disturbed your peace of mind, we have with one accord decided to choose representatives and to send them to you along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have dedicated their lives to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sending Judas and Silas, who will also convey the same message by word of mouth. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you any burden beyond these necessities, namely, to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meats of strangled animals, and from unlawful marriage. If you keep free of these, you will be doing what is right. Farewell. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This, this reading, um, the reason why I say it's epic is if we go back a few weeks and it's a, it's a natural continuation. Um, the apostles are spreading, evangelizing. If you remember two, three weeks back, uh, they started evangelizing to the Gentiles, but the Jews were jealous. Uh, they overcame these um, difficulties and continued to spread the good news, and the Gentiles received it very well. Now, you can see that um, now we've come to a dispute, even amongst believers. So Paul and Barnabas obviously um, is professing the good news, but so are the um, Judea Christians. They also proclaim that they're professing the good news. So that the context I can see this in is that everybody says that they believe in God, but and they're in this in dispute. Uh, a few things happening here. One is um, you can see the work of uh, Satan, even at work, even amongst believers. Uh, they may not, he may not cause you to unbelieve, but they will cause, or Satan will cause conflict, even amongst the believers, to have an argument amongst themselves as to what is right and what is wrong. I can, I can visualize this, uh, to plain, put it quite plainly, in many church meetings, in um, many, um, I'm sure even in uh, the, um, even at the highest level, even at the Pope's level, decisions amongst the bishops as to what should be a doctrine and how things should be uh, conducted 
And the most recent uh, news that you might have heard of is um, um, some of the uh, U.S. Uh, political leaders being denied of the uh, Holy Communion, so on and so forth. But we're all believers, if, if you ask uh, every one of them, they believe in God. So this is something to be uh, careful and to be wary of. Uh, the second thing is to put this into context is that the disputed item is whether you should be circumcised before you're considered a believer. In the context of those days, um, and put circumcision into today's terms, is you can relate it as uh, baptism. Do you need to be um, baptized before you are given the grace of God? And what Paul and Barnabas are saying is that the grace of God, the grace of belief, is given to all of us. Uh, it is not something that we do to give ourselves or to, to uh, receive that grace. We are all righteous because we believe. Not, not something that we do. It is a grace of God. No matter how much we do, we cannot receive the grace of this grace of God of belief or grace of God without believing. So this, this is the item under um, of uh, contention. And then what happens is that uh, it doesn't talk about it here, but uh, in some of the um, passages that uh, Sister Victoria has shared with me is that Peter then steps in and says, Peter being the um, one of the key apostles says that um, this is a case. It is not something that um, you need to follow the rules to receive the grace of God. Obviously, we need to, it goes on to talk about, we do need to follow the commandments, but to receive the grace of God, to be able to, um, to, to, uh, to have this is not something that's conditional on um, something that uh, we do. Um, so the, eventually the two sides meet up and the Christian Jews, um, do agree that this is the way forward. Um, they also respected this belief and also allowed the Gentiles without being circumcised to be granted this right just because they follow and believe what Paul and Barnabas had professed into them, professed to them. One of the things that uh, is very interesting here is that uh, amongst the people of Judea, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Sister Victoria, uh, one of the key groups of people who holds the rules and the rule book very tightly to themselves is though is that of the Pharisees. And in fact, one of the key apostles who's spreading this uh, advocating that the Gentiles be included is actually Paul 
And Paul actually used to be a Pharisee himself. So you, you can see the conversion. So when Paul was still Saul, he was a Pharisee. He went um, by the book in terms of whether you believe or not believe in God. There's a checklist. If you follow the rule book, then you will believe. If you don't follow the rule book, you will not believe. But here, Paul is professing that, hey, the Gentiles, because of the grace of God, receives, uh, believes in God, also receives the grace of God. So you can see that uh, there's story underneath uh, the uh, this um, many stories behind this uh, uh, this uh, acts of the apostles. And obviously, at the end, it says that hey, we come together uh, as long as the Gentiles uh, do not uh, idolize, uh, do not perform the acts that we're not supposed to perform as they continue on their journey, then they are true believers of God. If I may add, uh, Patrick, no? Actually, this is in the history of the church, the first council of Jerusalem. You know, uh, when the uh, faith in Christ started to be promulgated or proclaimed to the Gentiles, there are the questions of practices, you know. So actually, it's in the first part of the reading, unless you are circumcised according to the Mosaic practice. So it's a question of practice. Do you have really to follow all the, the Jewish practices before you can be included in the as followers or as disciples? What they call in the olden times the way. The Christians who are following Christ, Jesus is the way, you know, the way, the truth, and the life. So those are following the way. And you notice the reading has a gap. It starts with one and two, and then there's a gap from three to 21. So that is the time that we're saying they met in Jerusalem, they discussed, they disputed. And then you have here in this reading, the decision. What they agreed is that it is not necessary to follow all the mosaic practices because it is God himself who was doing the work. As rightly as uh, uh, Patrick commented, it is God himself who wanted it. That is why in the last part of the reading, so it's so uh, good to hear. No? It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us. So it's not only us. There's the Holy Spirit working with us and through us deciding this. And uh, even the readings, continuing with the readings of chapter 16, etc., when Paul and Barnabas continued the missionary work, you will, you will hear that uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit will allow them to go to one place and will not allow them to go to another place. It was the reading this morning, you know, Saturday of the fifth week of Easter. So it is good to know that in the early life of the church, and hopefully we also feel it even now. No? The Holy Spirit is helping us in deciding and also in discerning. When you call, when you say discerning, there is always as understood that the Holy Spirit is there in the process. Like when we are discussing two of us, for instance, we're not only two, the Holy Spirit is there. So that also in the first council of Jerusalem and even now we want to believe that 
the Holy Spirit is working with the church as Christ promised. That is his presence. And we will hear that also in the gospel. So maybe what do we want to read now? The gospel? Or? Yeah. It's a uh, thanks to Sister You can clearly hear the apprentice and the master. Um, on to the second reading first. Okay. So, Sister, is that Sister Janina reading? Yes. Sister Janila, are you there? Or she got lost? Okay. She's just unmuted. A reading from the book of Revelation. Mm. The angel took me in spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It gleamed with the splendor of God. Its radiance was like that of precious stone, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a massive high wall with 12 gates where 12 angels were stationed and on which names were inscribed, the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. There were three gates facing east, three north, three south, and three west. The wall of the city had 12 courses of stones as its foundation on which were inscribed the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. The city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gave it high, gave it light, and its lamp was the Lamb. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As noted already by Patrick earlier, this is the continuation of the book of Revelation. I think uh, it's clear to us now all these uh, Sundays we have been reading the apostles, first reading, and second reading the book of Revelation. And we are towards the end of the book. So after all the battle, the epic battle that you were saying earlier, now we are in the, what do you call, in the part of the resolution, the denouement, no? So the, the Babylonian city, which is also imaged as the prostitute coming out from the sea, etc. No? So we now have the city of God, the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it's, it shows there all the splendor of this city. But there is also, if you notice, the continuation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You notice that? The 12 gates where the 12 angels were stationed on which names were inscribed, the names of the 12 yeah, tribes nice. of Israelites, the Old Testament, no? the root and the foundation. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, the wall of the city had 12 courses of stones as its foundation on which were inscribed the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, which will be the New Testament. No? Jesus with his 12 apostles. So you have the coming together. Uh, when, you, when you watch a movie, usually you have an introduction, you have a conflict, and you have a resolution. So at the end of the book of Revelation, we are arriving there. And then the main protagonist, if you remember in the earlier readings, 
there was the problem of there was the scroll, but nobody was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Now, in the end, there was the lamb, the victorious lamb, and that lamb appears again here. No, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. The coming together of us, Jesus was saying, uh, His leaving us is because He is going to the Father. Okay? The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need for light, nor no, no need for sun or moon to shine on it, because for the glory of God gave it light, and its lamp was the lamp. Uh, the meaning of this, or the symbolism that you have here, is actually what we have in our baptism. You remember one of the main symbols of baptism is the light. You remember your baptism, no? <laughs> so aside from the white cloth is given, there's also the light, the candle. Okay, and we are really enjoined, we are invited to walk with that light that we become light itself. Okay, following this model, no? Its lamp was the lamp. So hopefully also our life, no, will be light for others. That our, uh, in the darkness around us, with all the things, the conflicts that are happening around us, we can shed a little light. Maybe not very big light, but a little light. And uh, what, other, what other symbolism this light could give is, I think, the hope that we can instill in the lives of others. Uh, sometimes you listen to stories which are very dramatic. Every, every Friday, this part of my work. Because that's the time I invite the, the Filipinos who are asking for help. And usually I said, Lord, how can, how can I let them go out after the dialogue as a better person than they came in? Okay. Like, how can we, how can I activate the light? Not me, you know, but the light that is within them. Because they're also loved by the Lord. The grace of God is there. How can I activate that? Help activate that light which is in them. So that, you know, when they go out of the church, they are able to walk again with a little hope. Because it's, it's so dark. When you really listen to each story, I, I carry them. And I said, oh, my God. Uh, one is more dramatic than the other. So the question is always how to enlighten the person. That when she leaves from that discussion or that sharing, uh, she would feel the Holy Spirit accompanying her after that. And then she can walk again straight. You know, with her dignity. And hopefully that that peace that is in them could be revived. And I guess that is part of the promise that we have now in our gospel reading, right? Who is uh, reading the gospel? Oh, how well. Okay. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word 
and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I'm with you, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I'm going away and I will come back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel reading is actually um, a great um, finish to the all the readings of the um, Sixth Sunday of Easter. Uh, as you know, the gospel has a lot of connection with the first reading. Uh, Sister Victoria spoke of the work of the Holy Spirit that helped bring the people of God together, the work of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see that in the gospel, the work of the Holy Spirit is being told to us, that it will come to us to help us to be the light, as the second reading was telling us. We're not alone. The Holy Spirit will come guide us. The last week, Jesus said that um, keep my, I give you a new commandment. Uh, love with one another as I love you because I will be leading. And here again, he's uh, telling us to keep his word, to keep his commandments. And he's not leaving us um, unattended to. He's telling us what will happen. He will come back. And he will send the Holy Spirit to guide us. So the context, you may think that it's only for the duration of the three days. But in fact, if you think about it, the context is actually now, here and now. The Holy Spirit is with us and he will come back to judge. So that, that's the important um, message from this passage and you'll see that love is central to this passage as well because you read the uh, first part keep my word but what is God's words it's love right and we he spoke of this last week give you a new commandment love one another as I love you keeping his word means to love one another as he has loved us. And by doing that, he will dwell in us. It's a beautiful thought. Imagine who you would welcome and open your doors to 
who would you clean your house for? Prepare a nice meal, uh, freshen up your uh, house or apartment for to welcome into it is someone that's that's important. And God is saying that as long as you keep his words by loving others as us, loving others as I loved you, you have opened up your home and your heart to him, and he will come to you. And in the last part, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you. Meaning that once he dwells within you, you have nothing to fear. He will always be with you. He's always in your heart. And one last um, point to raise out is about peace. Um, he's offering peace by dwelling in you. So do not worry. But the peace that he gives you is not that of the world. Think about, about the peace that the world has offered to you in the past. A lot of the peace are conditional. You do this for me, I'll be good to you. So we make peace. But God is not like that. God's peace is unconditional. God's peace means um, joy, grace, peace of mind, and also the support of all the people around you. Imagine everyone around you offers you their support and their help whenever you need it because you've loved them. That is a time of peace that Lord offers to us, not something that is conditional. Yeah, if I may add there, uh, Patrick, you know, the, the time of Jesus, the what they call the Pax Romana, no? the Roman peace, uh, practically is just one form of dominance. The Romans dominating the land of Israel, Palestine, and that is why there was peace. So that kind of peace is the, the peace of the world. If you, you can call it like political dominance or whatever, we will not mention the political uh, situation that we have, let's say here in Hong Kong or in other parts of the country and of the world, you know? but what kind of peace? It's really more of the dominance of one person and submission of the other person, or if you put it in the level of cultures or politics. But as, uh, we're, that's why Jesus is saying not that kind of peace. Okay, It's not dominance and submission, but it's really the peace that comes out of love. The peace that is also coming because, you know, that person really loves you deeply. You know? And that no matter what happens, like whatever sickness, whatever conflict, you will still... Uh, have the support and the love of God for you. Okay. Uh, that is very, in a way, that is difficult to reach. It's so deep and so far because it needs a lot of faith, a lot of hope that you believe in it. Isn't it true? <laughs> Especially when, are, when we are sick, no? 
<laughs> when we are sick, that is the first thing that we ask: Does God love me? Why does this? Why? Why is this happening to me, etc.? So maybe uh, it's it's one thing that we can uh, uh, search in our hearts now. Have we experienced that kind of peace in our lives? That peace that is beyond understanding. That is also in the letter of Saint Paul to the Philippians. And the peace of Christ, no, will be in our hearts. That peace that is beyond understanding, the peace that is uh, fruit of love, the peace that is part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Anybody so, would so like? So we'll open to up for um, the the audience online as well as uh, in Our Lady Montcalm for any sharing. Yeah. Sister Janila, how are you feeling now? Fisha. <laughs> <laughs> also Jennifer. <laughs> how how was your experience being in Europe and there being all this talk of war and etc.? I don't know. Maybe there is still there is still a fear that is ongoing there. I, I know from my friends from Italy. We're sorry, Jennifer. Do you want to unmute yourself? I don't. I don't really have much to share except when Sister said, "Oh, um, mm -hmm. when you're sick, you kind of ask why. Does God love me?" And I kind of went, "Oh, in the my most recent um, uh, sickness in April when I was back home, mm -hmm. I was really, really sick, and I actually I took the wrong medication, and I was really, really ill." Um, I was very, very close. And actually, you know what? I, I I don't know whether it's a sign of maturity or that I've actually walked longer with Jesus and God. And so actually, the only thing I asked during that time was, what is God trying to show me? Or what is God trying to protect me from? Um, because actually, um, I was so ill that I could not leave the house. I couldn't even leave my room. Um, and I just laid there for three days. And um you know what? Actually, yeah, it's true. Once you have that peace where you know that things happen to you, not because you were bad or trying, God's trying to punish you, but trying to help you to learn to get to the next stage mm -hmm. is actually very reassuring. And that I know that no matter what happens, um, it's happened for the best. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that God loves me. So <laughs> that was the only thing. It's like, yeah, I used to when I was really, really sick when I was little, I would then go... God, I thought I was a good Catholic. I thought God loves me. But now, no, I know everything happens for a reason. So, yeah, just to answer, sister, yeah, I, I kind of, I think I've semi-graduated from that. But there, there are points where you, when it's really, really bad, you kind of go, I'd rather not have this. Beautiful. That means also that your image of God has changed, has matured. You, you don't have a God yeah. who is there out to, you know, to punish you all the time because you have been bad. But, you know, yeah. sometimes the image of God that we have is really questionable, especially when we are suffering. No? Yeah. So. And I think because mm -hmm. um, today I was reading the first reading, I had to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. um, and something happened over the course of today. And I think also I've learned that um, used to, I would then just uh, comply with all the rules. But over the time, I've learned to discern them. Um, 
and my mother said something quite right today. um, You're serving God, not necessarily serving the humans as such. Like I have to comply with all the rules. That doesn't make sense. And so I'm having to learn to discern that actually Mm -hmm. also helps me to serve God better because sometimes some people might have some other Mm -hmm. thoughts it might not be bad, but it just not might be might not be the best way forward. And actually, to help serve church, and actually, I really struggled today with that. But actually, being able to discern that really helped me make peace with it. If I'm I'm, I'm not trying to name names and put people in difficult situations, that's why I'm trying to be very cryptic. But I'm just trying to say that actually, that was the inspiration I got from the first reading. It's actually yeah, there might be debates. Um, there might be struggles, but actually the main point is to actually think of how best to serve God rather than yes. being so focused on the little things. Yes, yes. I think that's nice that, that you mentioned the word discern. discern yes. You know, because it's not a question of, usually in the church, it's not a question of good or bad. It's really both good, but then yeah. what is better? Yeah. You have to choose one over the other. Because, yes. Yeah. What would serve best, no? The community, the common good. Yeah. Would go for more maturity. What would go for more communion, more participation. So those are the criteria. And you have a good sense of what criteria to use when you are discerning. Because there's yeah. the Holy Spirit present there. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Mary Fair, you'd like to say something? Yes, uh, Sister, this is in the part of the gospel that said that whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love me. Mm-hmm. We'll, we will come to him and make dwelling in us. So this part is said because uh, he said the word of the father means those teaching by Jesus or those what the kind of promises but uh, as, a, as a person sometimes we committed sin mm-hmm. so this time i i am thinking oh maybe the whole spirit already gone away and now the unclean spirit get in <laughs> so this is like so how can i get back the the peace the peace to be that the holy spirit will dwell in me yeah. so because you know we cannot see the spirit sister mm-hmm. so people sometimes this is the thing is unlike when jesus came jesus can talk jesus can explain like this yes. and the holy spirit so that the doubt of the people is the holy spirit is in me mm-hmm. so so for me what i did is what whenever i made committed mistake I just keep continuing calling the Holy yes. Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, yes. forgive me. I go confession. Yes. I yes. So, yes. Because it's really different when mm. you are talking someone. Yeah. That real meaning to say life's reality is much more complicated, no, than black and white. Yes. yes. So sometimes it's not, as we were saying, Jenny, sometimes it's not really right or wrong, bad or good, black or white, but what is best, what is a better decision. So it's good that you're saying uh, you continue to call on the spirit. I also do that in many times, even in, in simple works. No, I always invoke come Holy Spirit because uh, we can have what, what do you call that? I think for the for those in the management or they call it a tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Tunnel vision is just a very small vision of things. And yet. 
uh, reality is always much wider. Okay, and then in interaction, you learn that reality has many, many other aspects. And then what you consider good might just be a small good compared to another good. Okay, so there's really a need to invoke the Holy Spirit. This time from Friday next week until Pentecost will be the novena time. Novena meaning to say the invocation of the Holy Spirit becomes more intense. No? So that's starting Friday next week. Because from Ascension, we have eight days yes. for Pentecost. So uh, the, church, uh, the church tradition is daily, we invoke more intensely the Holy Spirit. So you will also see the readings, the readings of every day from Ascension to Pentecost will be really all about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, any, anybody else? No? I think that's... Um... When MJ just mentioned, when MJ just mentioned, uh, is very thoughtful because the thing is, uh, the fact that you are worried, the thought that you're uh, you're worried about whether the Holy Spirit is with you means that the Holy Spirit is actually with you. You you know that the Holy Spirit is no longer with you when you no longer worry about whether the Holy Spirit is with you. Uh, and as Sister mentioned, the things that you can do to be, in fact, our Lord, the Holy Spirit, they're always there right beside us. It's just a matter of how, whether we invoke them. We're how, sensitive. Exactly, we're sensitive to them. Mm-hmm. And how can we be more sensitive, as, as uh, Sister Victoria shared, uh, there'll be upcoming uh, activities, by simply praying by attending the bible the sunday best by attending mass uh by speaking to other parishioners um i think all these things will help uh to invoke the holy spirit to help us um listening to the reality around you also yeah like i can tell you an example uh last sunday i just know i don't know it just occurred to me to ask mike i said mike uh, have you seen the recently the Google form applications of our uh, the one in the website for the RCIA? And he's oh sorry, I have to direct redirect that to you. And then you know what? When he, uh, that afternoon when he redirected it to me, I saw three times somebody asked since January. She was asking to uh, she was applying for the RCIA. No? RCIA is the right of Christian initiation for adults. And then there's another one last April. But it just came like that, you know. I said, oh my God, that's really the work of the Spirit. No? That's right. That's right. <laughs> the work of the Spirit. And, and this lady I met yesterday, and she said, Thank you for coming back to me. You know? So she was really waiting. She was waiting for an answer. And, and uh, one of my students uh, in our sharing this morning, she said, yeah, sister, that is the thing that uh, makes a difference in OLMC is there is somebody who responds and the quality of response. Because for us, non-Christian, said we are always watching out for signs, you know, and where, where we feel welcome, you know, like the, the gospel reading here, no? We will come to him and make our dwelling with him. There is an interaction and there is an 
indwelling. There is an understanding. So we really pray for that. And we need to be open to that. Whatever happens in reality could be a sign also of the Holy Spirit's presence in our community. The, the fact that you brought that point up, it shows that the Holy Spirit is actually overflowing in you and you are bringing the Holy Spirit closer to us. So the Holy Spirit is very close to you. Thanks for this is because uh, in, in the first reading, like you said, that the practice of the mosaic mosaic so, tradition, yes. tradition. So the people they they learn these things. Yes, it's the first yes. things they know, mm -hmm. and then change it to, to, to something believe they something do not know. Do not know. Yes. This is really very tough. Yes, yes. Right. Mm. It's still we have to really feel the spirit to, yes. to convince us to believe this mm. by faith. Yeah. Like Paul was uh, very much convinced that he was following following the Mosaic law. He was doing good. He was uh, following the perfect the commandment of God, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it came to him and he understood with the help of the Spirit that there is a better way. The way that God wants. The so, more it's feel good if I can say the spirit will say this is not. Don't worry about Jesus coming to you by in person because even if the time of Jesus, he was there in person, but still the disciples did not understand. Doubting Thomas. Yes. So it's I'm not sure, that. I'm sure Thomas, he said Jesus, if you look at the gospel, mm -hmm. Jesus said to the disciples. So he told everybody he would come back, but None of the disciples believed yes. in him. Yes. It's recorded in the gospel reading. Yes, yeah, but really, there, there are some, whenever you read more about the gospel, like, like the point that uh, the rich man, yes, when 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 Abraham said, uh, already sent the prophet, already ah, yeah, 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 Lazarus so, and the, so yes. Lazarus and the rich man. So yes. we can say, why did they didn't follow? Something yes. like that. So we have to really to, to be go. very attentive. Attentive. Yes. Yes. Attentive. Yes, okay, so, so it's a great point. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of fruit for thought and to meditate upon. Uh, with that, uh, we'll close off today's uh, Sunday best with mm -hmm. the uh, responsory psalm. Let's recite together. Oh God, let, let all, all the nations praise you. May God have pity on us and bless us. May he let his face shine upon us. So may your way be known upon earth, among all nations, your salvation. May the nations be glad and exult, because you rule the peoples in equity. The nations on the earth you guide. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May God bless us, and may all the ends of the earth fear him. O oh God, oh let, let all, all the nations praise you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to OLMC Sunday Best. Please join us again next week for another episode. Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.